we still have a role to play, and we too will have to render an account before the king in the end, whether we were his true disciples. And um, here's where I think, picking off, um, picking up from last week, here's where I think Eucharistic adoration is going to play an indispensable role. This, um, you, you'll remember, um, is, is something that I'm planning to implement weekly in our, uh, our parish beginning this Advent, beginning December 3rd, as, as part of the revised uh, schedule, liturgy schedule that you'll see uh, again in the bulletin on the website. Um, but to be a disciple, you know, means to sit at the feet of the Master, where we are formed into true disciples, those who care for the least brothers of Jesus. And this happens in a very pivotal way in time spent in Eucharistic adoration, where we, where we truly sit at the feet of our Eucharistic King. So consider the 12 apostles for just a moment. You know, when John and Andrew asked the Lord where he lived, because they, they knew that they had found the Messiah, Jesus said to them, come and see. And so they had to come, they had to go and, uh, and be disciples to sit at the feet of the Master before they were ready to be sent out as apostles. They had to come and abide with Jesus and spend time in his presence, lots of time, in intimate communion with him, before they could be sent out to love and to serve, to care for the least. Those of us who, who wish to be faithful disciples of Jesus should likewise desire to abide with him, to come and see where he dwells, to spend time in his presence, especially in Eucharistic adoration, because he is truly present there. John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, in his letter, Dominique Cheyenne, on the mystery and worship of the Eucharist, wrote, quote, Eucharistic worship constitutes the soul of all Christian life. In fact, Christian life is expressed in the fulfilling of the greatest commandment, that is to say, in the love of God and of neighbor. And this love finds its source in the blessed sacrament, which is commonly called the sacrament of love. End quote. So if we're to bring the love of Christ to the world, it makes sense that we need to first go right to the source of that love in the Blessed Sacrament. And this by no means uh, is to exclude other places where the Lord can be found in Holy Scripture, in the poor, as we heard in the Gospel today, what you did to the least of these brothers of mine you did to me. But the Lord is present par excellence, par excellence, in the Blessed Sacrament. 
which also means that there is um, there's a hierarchy of places in which to pray. We can always pray in our rooms, and that's good. <laughs> it's good to do in our homes. But when we pray in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, that is where we are most truly at the Master's feet. I'll be honest, adoration, Eucharistic adoration, can be difficult at first. But with perseverance, it will become pure sweetness. It really will. I guarantee you that the time you spend in adoration, if you persist in that time, it will become the high point of your week. And if for some reason you, you can't make it to your usual holy hour, I'm sure you'll notice that something was missing. Something essential was missing from your week. I guarantee that will happen. But we will, however, encounter many obstacles as we begin to incorporate this type of prayer, Eucharistic adoration, into our lives. Why do I say that? This is going to happen. It's important that we acknowledge from the start that the enemy, the devil, is never going to be pleased when he sees souls moving closer to Christ, especially in the Eucharist, because he knows the Lord is truly present there. And he is going to set up obstacles in our path in all sorts of ways. We have to expect this. And yet, as John the Evangelist says in his Gospel, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ is the light of the world, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Rather, the darkness will hurl itself instead against those who seek the light. It's you and me. How might this happen? I think one way is through all the many exterior attractions of the world. All the noise of today, which drowns out consciences and erases the silence necessary to truly face ourselves and the deeper questions about life and meaning. The darkness could also be something interior. It might be the memory of past sins that make us think we're not worthy of drawing near to Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. It might be all of the distractions and the useless thoughts that come to us when we try to pray, which can lead to discouragement. The Catechism is very um, upfront about this as well. But again, persistence. It may be all the, um, the sinful inclinations that we think need to be, we need to be rid of before we come to Jesus in adoration. Forgetting that Jesus is the one who makes us holy, not the other way around. We don't become holy and then go to Jesus and then sit at his feet. Jesus simply says, follow me. He went to Matthew and he said, follow me. He didn't say, go get your life together and then come follow. 
The darkness could also be temptation to do other, and this is interesting, but I believe it's true, other good things. But we need to remember that we, we have to focus on the greatest good first, which is the Eucharist, and get our priorities in order. If we're too busy for Eucharistic adoration, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> we're too busy. Now, I recognize that there's only a, we only have a 12-hour window uh, right now. We're planning on uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I recognize that, and not everyone can make that window. Um, one year from now, I'd like to see us increase that window. But uh, 12 hours is no small window, and, and I know we can do it. I believe we can do it. But let me just conclude today this homily with an exhortation on Eucharistic adoration, with a, a quote from, again, Pope St. John Paul II, who believed that it is not enough for Catholics to receive the Eucharist. One must also contemplate it, he said. And listen to, listen to this. He said, quote, When, he said, excuse me, when one ponders the love that is present in the tabernacle or in the monstrance, he said, quote, love is ignited within us. Love is renewed within us. Therefore, these are not hours spent in idleness when we isolate ourselves from our work. But these are moments, hours, when we undertake something that constitutes the deepest meaning of all of our work. For no matter how numerous our activities, our ministries, however numerous our concerns, our exertions, if there is no love, everything becomes meaningless. When we devote our time to ponder the mystery of love, to allow it to radiate in our hearts, we are preparing ourselves in the best possible way for any kind of service, for any activity, for any charitable work. End quote. <clears throat>